All right, team. Good afternoon. If you're an East Coaster, good morning. Anybody else that's over here in the U.S.? Uh, there are some Canadians that are on Atlantic time. I think they're a, a, an hour ahead of us or something. I think we're going to have some international folks. So it's evening over in Belgium if Bart joins. Um, but we are just so thrilled to be here. Um, thank you so much. In case anybody missed it, uh, we are recording this. So if you need to strangle your video, if you need to change your name, whatever that looks like, John Ken's father, so good to see your face. We've talked so many times before, but uh, it, it is nice to finally put face and name together. So wonderful. Uh, Brian, Tracy, Steve, great to see y'all as well. Joe, good to see you as well. Thanks for talking with me yesterday. I appreciate it. Um, a lot of great stuff to share. Some of these conversations lend themselves so much to what we're going to talk about today and then leading ahead in these leadership webinars. Um, but let's just get right to it and we'll open it as always with a word of prayer. So Lord, thank you so much for this time. God, thank you for the ability for people all over the world to come and meet, to talk about you. Um, Lord, we're not thrilled to death with the circumstances that landed us all here, but God, we are over the moon excited and thrilled uh, to be walking in your light, uh, to surrender to what you have for our lives, and to understand that great commission you give us about going and making more disciples. God, we hand this over to you, not just for this next hour, but Lord, as we move out through this weekend and into next week, um, and we make it all about you. And so Lord, that's what we're asking for. We're asking for a whole bunch more of you and a whole lot less of us. That's in your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, team, I just want to introduce our two uh, co-hosts today. Of course, my wife, Christina, is on the line, uh, looking as beautiful as ever up there. Thank you so much for joining us, honey. Hello. Welcome, everybody. It's so good to see everyone. Um, I'm excited, so excited about this topic that we're going to be talking about, leaders making leaders. And this is particular, particularly tricky. Uh, especially with content that you have embraced to lead. Um, we're not talking about sports or weather or five ways to a better you. We're talking about some pretty deep things. We're talking about people's hearts, their relationships, their sobriety, uh, their betrayal wounds. Um, so it can be very tricky to lead on such sensitive topics. So that's why I think it's important for us to have a place to come together where we can say, okay, this is stuff that's worked for me, or this is stuff that hasn't worked for me. But I think we do need to pull all together because we are um, the black sheep of the church, so to speak. This is, we're talking on topics that people don't want to touch. And so there is a whole nother level of sensitivity involved. So Lamar, I'm excited about this. And I'm excited for you to meet our other co-host because he's one of my favorites. Hey, thank you, honey. I appreciate it so much. And, and thank you for manning the chat and, and, and being there uh, to answer some of those questions quick, fast, in a hurry to help guide the conversation behind the scenes. I really appreciate it. And, gotcha. uh, and, and thank you for the lengthy subject material to cover today. So uh, part of that, though, I really want to welcome today kind of our guest, if you will. Uh, it's a gentleman that you've seen in the rooms before. He's actually been you know, pretty vocal. He's an outstanding leader. Right now he's walking with about 29 different guys in his groups. He, he runs you know, groups throughout the middle of the week. Uh, his name is Cliff Wolken. Uh, he's coming to us today from up in Port St. Lucie, Florida, about a half hour north of where I am right now. Um, I am thrilled. Uh, Cliff is a former New York City firefighter, structural engineer. He's just got all kinds of stuff that he's been into in his, in his life uh, with a ton of experience. But more than anything, he's got a heart for men uh, in recovery. 
and really just getting after guys and making more disciples. So Cliff, welcome. Just say a quick hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very uh, humbled and grateful to be uh, part of this whole Soul Refiner Kingdom Works um, family. Um, although I'm, I'm like kind of adopted. The uh, uh, I first saw the Conquer series at my cousin's church in Palm City, uh, about very close to where Kingdom Works is, uh, June 15th, 2019. And, uh, and I, was, I was absolutely thrilled the first episode that there was a chance of uh, getting free, that it was a brain issue. And I was just, I'm in. And uh, I've struggled with this all my life, just ogling and objectifying and whatnot. So, um, it's really, uh, I started a group right away uh, at that church. They, nobody else volunteered to lead, so I started leading. And uh, without any guidance, it was, it was tough. So we had group leader meetings at Kingdom Works. And um, that first fall, and I got to meet Jeremy Wiles and, and guys who had been leading the groups for a few years already. So it was really uh, encouraging and informative. I love that. And, and Lamar, I just, one of the things I absolutely love is when we have guests come on here, um, our leaders have walked this journey. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about this program. It's not something you've just read about and it fascinated you. You've walked this journey. You know what recovery looks like. And you know, we all are familiar that recovery can take you know, upwards five, six years, but really recovery is for life. Right. I mean, this is something we, we don't just say we're healed at the five year mark, the six year mark, but recovery doesn't have to be all gloom and doom. And, and that's the picture I believe that Jesus gives us. Lamar, I think you're going to paint that picture for us in scripture um, that it, it, the picture of disciples making disciples is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful because you can relate to people. You can connect with people. You can say, I've been there. And that is an essential step, I believe, in everybody's recovery. I've yet to come across a healed woman or a healed man that doesn't have someone behind them and ahead of them. That is the picture of recovery. You should have someone you can go to when you're struggling and people you're leading behind you. And if they don't have that, I challenge that they're just white knuckling recovery. So Cliff, thank you for being here. We're excited to, to talk about this. Uh, but before we do, Lamar, do you mind just sharing the scripture that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you have your Bibles, power it up, turn to it, open the tab, get the scriptures out. You know, if you're carrying a book, whatever that looks like for you. And again, you've heard me say it before, but I don't care if you've got the kids crayon Bible, the teen action Bible, the ESV, NLT, you know, whatever version thereof. Um, I know that God can speak to us through however we are ready to receive it. Um, the big trick here is a surrender piece to it. And so open up your Bible. Let's go to Matthew 28, 19. It's the very tail end of Matthew. I think it's the last two verses there. Um, and it's really talking about the Great Commission. And so this is post-crucifixion, post-resurrection. Uh, Jesus has schlepped his disciples up to the mountain. Um, you know, different commentators have different ideas. You know, is this the mountain? Is this the ascension? Um, and to be honest, I really don't think any of that other stuff matters. Some of the ancillary stuff, what really matters is the message that he gives his disciples. And so I'm just going to paraphrase at this point, but this is the part where he doesn't say, go out and win souls for me. 
Okay, later on down, you are going to see where he does say to get them baptized. But what he says more than anything else here is go and make disciples. And when we talk about disciples, you know, some of us scratch our heads and say, what does that even mean? We'll just read down a little bit further. And it talks about people that are committed to following Christ, that are allowing him to change them from the inside out, to give them a different path. Okay, those old things, those old grave clothes, they don't mean that much to them anymore. Matter of fact, they mean less and less the further uh, along the journey. And so that's what that looks like. That's what making disciples is all about. Um, and the tail end of that is they start to get that sense of, well, crud, I need to be making disciples myself. And that's why we're talking about leadership today, because it's part of the Great Commission. It's not just us being leaders. It's not just you going out and grabbing like Cliff at right now. It's 29 guys. It's not just about that. It's about imbuing those 29 with that sense of, how are we going to use the message about what Christ did in our lives to further the kingdom and make more disciples? And listen, you're going to get folks from all different walks of faith. You're going to get folks that are Bible negates. And when I say that's an old military term, a negate is somebody who's got no clue what they're talking about. They're uninitiated. They're completely ignorant. Okay. You're going to have a few of those Bible negates. You're going to have some Bible scholars. You're going to have some people that want to, you know, argue the finer points of the Aramaic, the Greek, and the Hebrew. And then what the different words meant all the way across the Old Testament, New Testament, and how they differ, the different verb tenses. I think you know what I'm talking about. You've seen those people before. Okay. But it's pretty clear as you read the scripture what Christ is talking about. And it's kind of like goes back to our prayer. How do we get less of us and more of him? And so as we make those disciples, how do we get them to really walk along and to really get that sense of I need to be leading myself? So our chat. I love to get the chat cranked up because it helps breed some of the questions that we're going to get to a little bit later. Uh, Cliff, Christina is going to help man that chat. I don't think we necessarily have to be glued to it. So in the chat, let's everybody, if you're comfortable doing this, just drop in there some of the excuses that either you used or somebody else has used in your walk, you know, as you've tried to lead people along. Um, an excuse, maybe you watch your sister or your brother do. I'm talking about your, you know, your actual familial sister, your familial brother, or the ones that God puts you in, in, in league with. Uh, what kind of excuses have you heard over the years? Um, as I see uh, the whole room really get fleshed out here, and we really get some powerhouse leaders in here, I can guarantee you that folks have heard a whole different litany of uh, excuses. So let's get that cranked up in the, in the chat. Uh, I love that first one I see. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't fully understand what I'm going through. And so, <laughs> oh man, e even better. So, hey, Cliff, as you start to see these, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this first one here just so you could take it and run with it. Maybe you've seen it before. Um, I've got this. I don't want to expose my wife. I don't want, you know, be it. I don't want to have her be shamed by what I've done, or I don't even want her to know about it. Cliff, just lay it on us, man. How is that you know, manifested through some of your groups? Yeah, fear and pride are both liars. Um, the the secrets that he's trying to keep from his wife are actually what's keeping him in bondage. So if he wants to stay in bondage and risk losing his marriage, uh, then don't you know? Then don't get involved any further. Don't lead. Don't don't put yourself out there. But if you want God to to not only heal you, but put a, a transparency in your marriage and have your wife supporting you through this uh, as, as one, because two become one, um, 
then then you need to pursue uh, not only the, the classes but but uh, make yourself available. All right, thank you, Cliff. You know, I I'm totally with you. As we get guys that that say, well, I, I, I'm a little bit worried about what people find out, and my kids, my job, my my house, you know, my cars. Um, and yeah, I say that, and when you hear that, it sounds kind of ridiculous when you talk about my cars. But almost every single American home has, has at least you know a couple cars in it. Um, that's a whole different sermon as we start talking about what's rich and what's not. But that's the kind of stuff that we as Americans worry about sometimes. It's all that stuff that in the grand scheme, it's really, uh, it doesn't matter. So um, thank you, Cliff. Uh, Christina, we have another question here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love how we're actually getting uh, fed um, in the chat both reasons people won't choose recovery as well as, as, as well as reasons why people um, won't lead or the excuses they won't step up to lead. So I'm gonna focus more on the leadership piece um, just in this series right now. And there's one here that I absolutely love um, that men hear often, I just don't have enough sobriety, sobriety to lead. So Lamar and Cliff, what would you say if you had someone that, that said to you, you know, you saw someone that you wanted to encourage to leave and they're like, ah, I, you know, I just acted out last week. I can't do this. So what would you guys say? Well, the the thing comes to mind is, is one, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. All he wants is your availability. Um, your, your struggle is exactly what the other guys are going through. So it's a, uh, it's not like I have to be perfect in order to start a group. My first group I started, I had just seen the first five videos of the Conquer series and uh, that through that summer. And I started a group of six guys from their church and nobody wanted, you know, nobody signed up to lead. So I was leading. So it was just a matter of push and play and keeping the conversation on, on topic for that episode. And that's all you have to do. Um, it's a uh, pride. Like I said, pride is, is something that, we have to, to really reject and, uh, and just be open and transparent. This is interesting. I think a lot of people, this has been a topic conversation in one of the other leadership webinars. A lot of people want to get a, a timeline qualification. You know, you have to be sober for 37 point X weeks before you can truly lead. Um, I say there are some people out there that have been sober that might not have been a recovery at all, but they've been sober for 37 years. But it's been a white knuckle exercise and maybe they've got the strongest will that I know about and they've never been introduced to true recovery. Um, I, I would submit that a man that has experienced some true recovery might not need that level of distance between his last session of acting out. Uh, I, I do think that active acting out is something that, that should absolutely be discussed with some other leader. If you're doing something like that and you're leading groups and you're not able to tell anybody, that's a huge red flag. That means you are by nature isolated and lonely and you have no idea what the spiritual direction of your life looks like because you've kind of taken that back from Christ. And listen, the reason that some of us are sitting here is because we, we uh, took that spiritual director role ourselves. Um, and so that would be my submission. Uh, and again, this is, we're already into the open discussion piece here. As folks come up with answers, 
you know, I want to implore you to raise your hand. Uh, that sends you to the top of our screen. We can tell that way if you are. And when I say raise your hand, it's a virtual raising of hand. If, if you can find that down at the bottom of your video, um, that, that makes it very easy for us to identify you. But hey, oh, say, yes. Yeah. Do you mind if I speak on behalf of the women? Um, because we have some women here that are interested in leading other hurt women. And I hear oftentimes, how in the world can I lead if I'm still in turmoil, if I still don't know what direction I'm going or what my relationship looks like? God doesn't need perfect people, y'all. I mean, you look in the Bible. He didn't wait until, he didn't wait for, for David. He didn't wait for Noah. He didn't wait for, he used, uses broken, broken people and he meets them right where they are. And so I encourage you, if you feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we had someone that came on um, with our sanctuary and she was a powerhouse and she came on and was able to share and she's in the middle of brokenness. And I just thought that that was just incredibly brave and people could relate because they could see it in her. And so there's something to be said about that. If God is calling you, by all means, step up. But my challenge would be get a co-leader. Right. I mean, Lamar and Cliff, you would agree to that, because if you are struggling, if you're new to recovery, if you feel like oh, I, I might be out with my spouse or I might be in, or, you know, out, meaning struggling or, you know, having problems myself. Don't carry the weight of leadership by yourself. Always have a co-leader, because then if you are having a rough moment, if you are struggling, if you are having a setback, you can rely on them to step up. So, team, what are your thoughts on co-leaders and how have you used them in the past? Cliff, I'll give you a chance to answer here in a moment. Um, every time I start a group, within about the first 10 minutes, you typically have somebody that naturally helps identify themselves as someone who could probably carry the group in case your Zoom feed just dropped catastrophically. Um, so I would submit that as, as you look at the, the folks on your video screen, likewise, as you look at the folks in your, in your semicircle or your full circle uh, for your in-person groups, and you look around, you know, if I had to duck out for some medical reason, or if I had a kid that was, you know, that was bleeding out because they, they, you know, barely scraped their arm and I had to take them to the emergency room, who would take over this meeting? Um, I, I submit that even if it's a bunch of strangers in your group, but there's typically a person that you could identify, okay, this person would definitely hold it together. And holding it together sometimes means pressing play, like Cliff said, and then reading the number question on which page it is. Maybe it's discussion question number one. Man, I'm not even asking folks to read the question. I'm just asking folks to help guide discussion. Okay? The material kind of speaks for itself with a lot of soul refiner stuff. Nobody has to be the resident expert. I don't think anybody has to even know that the tail end of Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. If they can press play, pause, stop, and then point people to discussion question number one, congrats. You're actually tactically qualified to do this. Now, does the Holy Spirit have you in a place where you're comfortable being out in front of people week after week after week? That's a whole different story. But in terms of being able to just hold the group together, keep them focused, not allow people to walk in and, and, and bash either the curriculum, the word, one another, their faith, I mean, it's really simple in terms of table stakes for being able to guide a group. Cliff, what do you think about that? Uh, I've had a couple uh, guys over to, over to, I mean, I've, 
I've completed uh, leading six Conquer series. Um, I have one that's current. Uh, five warpaths were completed, and I have two current warpath classes. Um, the um, and about to start a, another one. Uh, the the way I have it set up is Zoom. Everybody can come in without my permission. So uh, everybody shows up. If they go early, they can talk to each other. Um, they uh, have access to, I, I have usually have a guy who has access. Uh, he can be the host for the um, Zoom. And um, uh, when I come on, it, it makes me a host. So if I'm late or if I have to bail out for a little bit, um, the, uh, or, or give it over to somebody. But I've had the meetings go on without me because of that. And, um, and I just, you know, they just have instructions to uh, play the video and then ask for takeaways and, uh, and keep the conversation on, on track. So um, it, it, I keep it real simple. And uh, the more simpler, at first I was, I was going through the, the study guide myself and it's like, wait a second, I'm not the teacher. And that's not duplicatable if I'm doing all the, the teaching. Um, the, the course is doing the teaching. So if everybody's doing their work during the week, this is just a review and we can discuss what each guy took from that uh, episode. So it makes it a lot simpler. Yeah, com completely agree. Completely agree. I, I love the idea of folks, you know, having some level of accountability. Did you, were you able to do the work? You can tell if a guy hasn't done the work yet, cause you'll say like, all right, so what was your answer for this? Or can you, can you just kind of expand on it? And if they just start rambling for five minutes, they're just trying to cover up that they haven't done the work. If you're crickets on the net, haven't done the work. Um, I think it's so important that, you know, whomever might be leading for you is able to help identify that and then move out from there. So uh, having the guys share their work uh, on, on to the group, is extremely valuable uh, because everybody's holding each other accountability. If nobody's putting their answers in. He's getting, you know, he's usually going to be getting uh, challenged. Yep. Not that, not that they have to. Some guys are very, you know, leery of internet and whatnot. But, um, but for the most part, it's a, it's a big encouragement to see guys sharing their answers. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's also a keen identifier for future leaders. Um, as, as you see guys that are on there quite a bit during the week um, that are consistently putting their answers in, you can tell when they've you know, watched a video, um, you can see their work. And, and if you need help getting to that screen, please let me know. I can help walk somebody through that. Um, that's, that's quite easy, to be honest. And it gives you a, a great indication across all your groups. If you're leading multiple groups, you know, you're going to have to actually sift through some of the some of the material, some of the information there, because it may you know put people in alphabetic order, and you have to be careful with that. But I think it's really important to identify those leaders that are putting in the work, putting in time, they're taking it seriously. Maybe it's their second time through. You know, are they able to come up with different answers? Are they able to look at their baseline first time through Conquer to see how God's been working in their lives? So it's a great identification tool. Uh, thanks, Cliff. Sandy, yeah. next question. Absolutely. Um, just to, to add a little to what you're saying, when you see those people that step up and they're showing up and they're doing the work, um, I think from the beginning, that's an area where you can invite them in. 
to, to help lead. And leading doesn't necessarily have to be the one that hits the play button and sends out the Zoom link. There's other roles that can also be used uh, that can help them, like baby steps. Um, you can have um, someone be assigned to um, reach out to the women or to the men during the week and just check in to see how they're doing. You can assign someone to um, host. So the leader doesn't necessarily have to host in their house. I know a lot of us are doing it virtually, but when we go back to in-house meeting, just because you're leading doesn't mean you have to be the one to open up your house. By all means, uh, get everyone to have a little skin in the game. Get them to do something. Get everyone to participate so they have a reason to show up. Um, we we um, look for ways to create jobs. Um, have someone that that is you know the one that opens and closes in prayer, or the one that sets up the accountability tracker or the phone tree. And you can create these things. And I think when you arm your members and give them responsibilities, you're showing them, oh, this isn't so bad. I can do that. And there's something to be said, especially with the sensitivity men in particular, um, when you are uh, leading and you say, I, I'm trusting you with this. Because <laughs> that's part of recovery is being able to be trusted with something again. And it needs to start with the men, being able to trust one another. And same, same with women, women that have been hurt, to be able to hear, no, I have confidence you can do this. I, I need you to step up and help. And that's okay. I think that's the best leaders are the ones that are from the beginning looking to raise other leaders. You don't want to create a, a room full of people that are dependent on you and, and plan to have you stay with them. In fact, um, Joe, I'm so glad, Joe, we have our, one of our favorite um, leaders here. Joe gives this beautiful analogy. If you don't mind unmuting yourself, Joe, I'd love for you to share your analogy um, about Aaron and Moses, what you tell your group members. I think that is so powerful. Yeah, uh, I, I use Moses as an example and uh, how he, uh, he brought other men in, uh, made them elders because he couldn't handle it. So I use that usually toward the very beginning of the first or second meeting. And I tell them, I say, I'm, I'm looking for leaders out of this group. So if you feel so led, then let me know. And uh, I will sort of walk beside you and, and eventually uh, maybe turn this group over to you and I'll go form a new one. So I use Moses and we read some of Moses, some of the scripture out of Exodus. And uh, that is a great setup to uh, give them an example. So, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I always look for leaders for every group that I do. And I'm like Cliff, I've been doing these for a long time. And my number one goal when I start a new group is to find a leader out of that group. Thanks. I love it, Joe. And that's why we turn to Joe. Drop the mic. I think that's beautiful. I think that's fantastic. I think that we should have our skates on, y'all. I mean, we can't, we can't, we can't camp out with one group. And yes, you do need your life group. You need your support system for your own recovery. But in order to create that ripple effect, in order to reach all the corners of the world, in order to reach all the churches, we need to have our skates on. So we need to have a beginning and an end to when we're uh, starting our group and ending our group and we're passing the torch so it doesn't dissolve because we want to create that ripple effect. So what does that look like for everyone? I, want, I, mean, I would love to hear from other people as to what they do from the beginning to create that ripple effect. So I, I, I see a hand up right there. John, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, one of the things I was going to say, and you had mentioned it, and I, 
I've seen it forever and just I, just recently the accountability tracker looking on that and seeing people do their work you know I, I looked at everything but that so uh, really looking at what people are doing during during the week you know and what they're writing down helps and I I, uh, I I'm just starting to lead a group now but even within our group uh, that another gentleman leads I, I, I tell everybody that I work with that, you know, you need to be transparent. That's what we're supposed to do. So to not share your work is really, you know, kind of invalid and try to encourage everybody to share their work. So even when we're not in the meeting that, you know, you can look and see what, where their head's at, where their heart's at and so forth. So I think that's real important. Um, another thing, if I can go back to kind of the subject matter, and I wrote a couple things down that uh, me and Lamar talked about um, just a few weeks ago. And I think it's right at the heart of, I think what everybody's trying to create. And I, and it comes out of the AA big book. And there's, there's two passages in that, that really, I think that we ultimately are trying to get to. And it's, oh my gosh, I think I may have to come back to you because, um, no, it's right there. So if, if you guys don't know, you know, the, uh, Bill Wilson and another guy started AAA and, um, um, you know, before then people, people died. So in Bill's story, he goes through everything and uh, kind of the setup for what I'm going to read you here right now. And there's two passages. Um, his life was in shambles. People were dying. If you were an alcoholic, he had lost everything mentally, emotionally. He was at his end. And an old school friend of his came and visited him who had become sober and he didn't believe it, wanted to know how all this worked. He eventually ended up in the hospital for, uh, I don't know, the fifth time and uh, decided to kind of take on what this guy said and follow the direction. And he said his spiritual um, response to having accepted it was immediate and sudden. He can feel that there was a difference in his life. And here's where it leads into he says, for a moment, I was alarmed and called my friend, the doctor, and asked if I were still sane. He listened and wondered as I talked. Finally, he, sh he shook his head saying, something has happened to you. I don't understand, but you'd better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor now sees many men who have had such experiences. He, know that the he knows that they are real. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what has been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. Then in turn, they in turn might work with others. My friend, and here we are, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs, particularly that it was imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works is dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if the alcoholic failed to enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. This faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. So from the very beginning, AA talks about how it is imperative that we work with each we eat with other 
uh, people that are struggling and that need help. And I don't think that in our recovery industry that we get that word out all the way threaded throughout the, the AA book. It says, hey, if everything else is failing, go work with another. Um, and then finally, in chapter seven, it says this, and this is a bright and really positive message. It says practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity. From, and obviously, we're changing the word here from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics, sexaholics, whatever, sex addicts. It works when all other activities fails. This is our 12th suggestion, carrying this message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. You can, sure their, can secure their confidence when others fails. Remember, they're very ill. Life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Um, and then John, it goes. John, it sounds like, hey, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but it sounds like you have a lot of gold there, and I want everybody to have a chance to process it. Sure. So I'm wondering if that's a document you could share with us so we could all um, just kind of um, absorb it all because there's a lot of great information. So I want to thank you for sharing that, but I want to move on because we have some other people that want to share. So um, definitely share that with me, John. I'll get it out to everyone else. So David, did you have thoughts on ways that you can create that ripple effect? Uh, yeah, it, of course, I'm fairly, fairly a, a newbie in this. I, I'm actually on my second group, uh, but and just and I really think that these meetings are excellent because like somebody like Joe uh, that's had a lot of experience can kind of help us. I, I just kind of learned through trial and error, just kind of groping along. And, and uh, what I've found is that uh, for me in the two groups that I've had is that if you, you know, you, you're not going to get everybody to show up, even with people that are really like, I, I've got to get this dealt with. And then you invite them into your group and they just don't show up. And that's, that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing is going to probably be normal. Uh, that some people do the thing and some people don't. And, uh, and so like this one group we have now, we invited, I've actually invited 10 people into the group on the, but on the actual calls, we're getting uh, maybe six. Um, and out of that, we've got probably three that are real serious. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of a dynamic that's going to happen. Another thing that, that um, uh, I found this was a big surprise to me is that we got on a text stream and we got everybody on a group text. And that's been our, our biggest interaction through the week is where we'll have a guy say, man, I've got the, I'm in a grocery store and oh my gosh, I'm going into the fog and, you know, and we can, and we can support each other on texting, which is kind of a new thing for me. Uh, the phone calls are really important, but the, 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 the constant connection reminding each other has just has been a wonderful thing. And the other thing I wanted to, to kind of uh, point out is that you're right those leaders are going to show up right away. Usually, you know, we've got a, a couple, three guys that have lengthy sobriety. We have a couple guys that, you know, if they make it through a week, we're hallelujah with them, you know. Uh, but but there's, you know, the, the seriousness, the people that are the leaders do do show up. And uh, I, I'm encouraged that you guys are 
are helping us understand that that's what we're what we're looking for. Joe is is that next leader, and uh, to move this move this on forward. Um, so I I the other thing I I wanted to mention since John uh, brought it up was. I've always felt there's a little bit of a competition between Soul Refiner and, and Sexaholics Anonymous and all that. But what I found is that, hey, some guys can go to three different groups and you're just one of the groups and it, they need all that other stuff. So I, I, I've kind of backed off and said, no, you can, you know, you can do other things. You know, you can get resources from from other places. But uh, our team, the, this our Soul Refiner is kind of their base and they, they use those other things. To support that, so um, I think that I think that the uh, uh, the Soul Refiner platform is just super. So anyway, that's my my uh, my input. David, I I love that. I absolutely love that. In fact, Lamar and I were just talking about Jesus's um, mission and what he did. He had the external mission that we all saw. That was the teaching, the preaching, the healing. Um, but there was another ministry that he had, a private ministry, and it was the 12, the first small group, right? It was his 12 disciples that he did life with, day-to-day life with, like you're, like you're talking about, getting on that phone saying, hey, I'm struggling getting into the store or what have you. I think women are going to need that. Men are going to need that um, because we are in a, in a society now where we build up fences and, and we go in the garage and close the door and uh, we don't want to do life with people, but God wants us to have community. Jesus had community, and that's the picture of discipleship. So how do we do that? Lamar and Cliff, I'd love to hear from you guys. How do we, how, do, how can we do that when we're in a culture that says, you know, just close your front door and roll down your blinds? So what I, what I think you're asking is how do I, uh, convince somebody to reach out and help others. Okay. One is paying it forward uh, to, to share what God's given to you, you know, share the gift that God's set, helping you to set free. So helping others to, to do the same is a, uh, a paying it forward type of thing. I don't know if, you know, for me, I really liken it to the gospel and for some folks, and, this, and I say for some folks, I'm talking about me. My realization of the gospel did not come until Christ rescued me from sexual sin and sexual stronghold. I, I just did not have that firm understanding. And I was raised in Southern Baptist Church. You guys have heard that before. I mean, I've got multiple paddles on the wall that I used to spank myself with, both in the head and on the butt. And so, I mean, I was very learned in terms of memorizing scripture, but it meant nothing to me until Christ walked me out of, of the old storm. Um, and really, I didn't allow him to walk me out of that until I watched him walk my wife out of the hurt that I put on her through my sexual sin, sexual stronghold. So her response to the gospel demanded mine. And then so, so my charge to a lot of people that I walk with is once you get some of this, if you are truly free, I believe in my heart of hearts that you can't help but share that with other people. That there's no way that you can walk through life now thinking to yourself that you're just going to be able to turn a blind eye when you know somebody else is hurting from it. And people say, well, how do I know who's hurting? I don't know. Pick up, pick up a newspaper. You know, look at the evening news. Look at the number of Christian leaders that have fallen by the wayside. In your natural conversation, I think, with other people, you're going to be able to see who's hurting and who's not. Ladies, if, if you are betrayed and you have been through the yuck with your husband, 
you're starting to see this too from other women as they talk about their relationships as they talk about their marriages you know where is it that god is pointing you to say this is the point where i need to intercede and hey it takes guts they could look at you and be like i think you've got this all wrong so be it that's fine but you dared and if you if you never dare then i don't think you're ever going to wind up experiencing the full fullness of what Christ can do in your life as you help somebody else discover their recovery journey. It's only going to help you further your own. So when you help other people figure it out, that there is nothing like that. And you recognize in your life, Lord, thank you so much for how far you've brought me. And so, um, and, and guys can start to see that. I think they can start to feel that, at least in these conquer groups, these warpath groups. By the way, when Cliff said he's led five conquer group or five warpath groups, that's like 30 conquerors, you guys. I mean, those are 29 week courses. This is no joke. I mean, he, he might be one of the most experienced leaders that we have based off of number of sessions. So I just want to applaud Cliff for, for leading so many of those. I mean, I, I'm over here patting myself on the back because I've led a couple of those sessions and, and, and they're grueling. You know, you're talking about seven months worth. So thank you, Cliff. Yeah, and Cliff, I think Cliff has his hand up. Cliff, you, you are... Co-host, you don't have to put your hand up. You get to just speak. I'm polite. Um, the the idea that has come is, oh, well, as far as what Lamar said, it, it's absolutely true. When I did the anger letters through Warpath and and uh, I I did the anger letter with myself last, uh, the one with my father, I was able to forgive him, and then it developed empathy for him. Uh, when I got my resentment out of the way and, and saw his his life and it really changed my heart towards my father. He had already passed away. But then uh, the anger letter to myself um, was, was extremely therapeutic uh, because I was able to get that anger and, and kind of personify my sinful nature and separate myself from it um, as a new creation. And then the letter with Jesus sitting in the chairs, he said, you've trusted me 90%. How about we let your remorse go? Because I paid for that also. And let's walk together. And it's absolutely true. That, that's, that was 2000, yeah, 2020, uh, January or so, when we first did the Film of the Warpath, the first session there. But um, what, what, I, what I see it as kind of like Neo in the Matrix, uh, the battle's always been raging, and we had Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, we we fell into our, our captors, and we fell right into the addictions and, and uh, pursuits, uh, the wounds and everything else, uh, driving it. Uh, the difference is that we were made aware of the battle, set free, and trained to not only escape that prisoner, uh, but fight and stay free. And we now we're trained to help others escape and train and help them to train to help others. So it's, uh, you know, one guy was saying, oh, I, you mean I have to do this for the next, however, you know, for the rest of our lives? Was, no, no, no. You get to do this. You get to stay free for the rest of your lives. And when you help other people, you are really learning. You know, it's one thing to, to be taught how to do something, but you don't really learn it until you teach somebody else. Um, you know, like you, you could be taught, and then you could do, but then when you teach somebody else how to do, that's when you really learn it. And going through these series so many times, it's uh, it's amazing 
the the spiritual connection that we can have being free and helping other guys get free and uh and watching other guys lives change and their marriages changes is absolutely uh how can i not do this i'm gonna jump in here cliff uh and i'm so so happy that you mentioned that uh for you know, the, the medical field's got that old adage, you know, you see it, you do it, you teach it. And for a lot of guys, when they come through Conquer the first time, they're just seeing it. I mean, I don't think they're really necessarily that, that, that great on the uptake. You know, Joe's got a great method that he's expressed before that he will anchor on a week and just stay there and marinate sometimes for three or four straight weeks on, on the week two video or the week three video or whatever that looks like. And I, and I really enjoy that. For some guys, if you're going straight through Conquer the way I like to do it, which is one through 10, you know, some guys, that's their see it iteration. And the actual doing it won't happen until they go through Conquer a second time. Um, we've got a great leader. He's going to be one of our speakers here pretty soon, a guy named Cal Thorne. You're going to really enjoy him. But Cal had a guy that he walked with for about four Conquer sessions. And he said the first couple, the guy was kind of apathetic, eh, kind of shrugged his shoulders a little bit, didn't necessarily do all the work, showed up every other class. Um, the last couple of Conquer sessions, the guy was really starting to engage with the work. And now this gentleman is calling me saying, hey, how do I plug in? I, I want to lead now. Um, I, I want to be with other men. I want to walk with other men. And, and for some folks, man, they're going to catch that bug right away. Uh, for some folks, they're going to know, I mean, the Lord's going to put it on their hearts immediately. For other guys, it's going to take a see it, do it, teach it mentality where they're going to have to see it more than once a few times. They're going to have to do it more than once a few times. So that, that level of patience, you know, as you, as you watch these guys go through, I'm not saying that we excuse poor behaviors. I'm not saying we let somebody stick around just for the sake of coming in every week and telling us they acted out again. That's not what I'm talking about. But I think everybody understands that sometimes God's timing is a little bit different than ours. That's right. So having that discernment. So uh, Tiffany, we're going to go to you next. Hi, I just wanted to add one thing. I think that all of you guys have been talking mostly about while you're in class. And I would say one of the most important leadership things is to, to the whole body, the whole person all the time. It's not just when you're in class that you're talking about Warpath and conquer and you're truly talking the talk, walking the walk and that's when those people are going to gravitate to you. You're not going to have to look for who needs help or question, am I seeing this? Like they're going to come to you because God is opening those doors because you're living what you're teaching. And um, that's it. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. We do. As leaders, there is a higher level um, of accountability. We, we do need to be walking the walk and talking the talk as, as couples if we're teaching stronger together as women, if we're teaching from the ashes or as men teaching conquer series warpath, whatever that looks like, we do have a higher level of accountability, um, but it's built in accountability for us as well. So that's why I love seeing Lamar lead groups, because I know that that is, it, it is more layers, more bricks around him uh, for a support system uh, for his, for his defense. So um, it, it's going to be a lot harder for him to fail and to relapse when he not only is accountable to me and to our sons, but to other men that he's leading. There's something to be said about that. Um, I, I forever would love to see Lamar leading, as do I, because it's accountability for me to not go back to my old ways when I'm in fellowship with other women. So uh, there's, there's so much benefit, but you're right. We do need to walk the walk and 
and uh, talk the talk for sure. So thank you, Tiffany. Um, gentlemen, I have another uh, one. As I was scrolling through the comments that people made in the chat, I see a lot of fear-based um, things. Like, I don't know enough scripture, so I can't step up and lead. Or um, my story isn't um, that bad. You know, it was just born. I don't have a dramatic story like some men do. So does that disqualify people? So what are your takes on that? Cliff, I'd love to hear from you. When, when I first started leading groups, um, I thought it was about me being the guy uh, to help these people. And if somebody was um, doing well, I would feel great about my leadership abilities. And if somebody was doing horrible, I would get depressed and try and figure out what's wrong. What am I doing wrong? And that was just pride. And I was, you know, I was new and I had to get over it. And I said, wait a second, is this my, my group or is it God's group? And he's just using me to put it together. So, uh, and now I, I tell guys, I said, listen, I got four groups. You guys, I can't be the glue in your group. You have to call each other. Um, you, you're the ones that have to connect. Call me anytime you want, but, but you guys have to call connect. Uh, what I had done for my own accountability was, you can see, I made a chart with the names on the, down the one column and, and I dated and, you know, day and date across the board. So I made a bunch of copies and that's going to help me um, not only make sure that I'm connecting with guys at, at least every other week, uh, got, you know, who I'm not being in touch with so that I can reach out to them because uh, it's hard to call 29 guys every week. Uh, it's, it's, I can't, um, but what I do is I use it and I show guys how many calls I made that week since the last time we got together and kind of as an example to them, Hey, listen, you need to step up and, and, uh, make connections. And I tell them, I says, if you, if you call each other, you're going to build relationships and you're not going to be afraid to tell, to make a phone call when you are hurt. One thing we use, uh, the other guy mentioned texting. I use group text for 911 emergencies. At the beginning of a group, I share everybody's uh, name and number uh, on it so that everybody has that. But I just use it for 911 emergencies. If a guy's on the edge, uh, he can call 911. The first available guy types me and then calls that guy. This way, we're not blowing up somebody's phone who needs that alert on their text messaging for work. We use Signal for... Um, uh, group chats and stuff. So uh, just a little tidbit. Hey, thanks, Cliff. I, I, I love the tactical aspect of these meetings because it gives folks an idea. I mean, as you, as you look at Cliff's checklist, as you look at the call, you know, matrix, if you will, you know, some people can do that uh, virtually. They can, they can have a little spreadsheet up on their, on their screen that they can go through. They can have it printed out so where they can make the check boxes. That's kind of my preferred methodology. Um, for some folks, you know, they're using Signal. Some are using WhatsApp. Some are using GroupMe. You know, that, that's going to be a, a moving target group to group. Uh, not all the guys are going to be able to use all the different apps. And so let me encourage you to, to get some of these best practices, some of these techniques. When I say technique, that's just something that's worked for somebody else. It's not a tried and true, got to do it this way procedure. Okay, that's the stuff that's all written in blood. You know, stuff like, you know, you got somebody talking about masturbation, for, you know, forgive me for the grown folks talk, but, you know, somebody saying like, well, I think it's actually okay to do that. 
Okay, that, that's a procedure, okay? That's not how we subscribe in our groups. All right? that, that, that's worth a conversation between you and that individual. Uh, it's one of those hard and fast things. Whereas, you know, which, which method are we gonna communicate with each other? That's something, there's some wiggle room there and, and what's gonna be best for the entire group. So uh, I just, I, I love that we can come here and talk about that kind of stuff very candidly, very openly. People can say, here's what's worked for me. So. I have a, a comment on that. Uh, well, I don't have a big enough story or, you know, uh, other guys are worse off than I am. How can I lead them if I haven't been through that? You know, I personally didn't have a trauma in my marriage because of this. Uh, I self-disclosed and uh, and it wasn't a problem. I had already been, been free uh, from not only sexual uh, addiction, but alcohol and pot. So it was a, uh, a very freeing thing for me. So how do I help guys that are going through a divorce or have been divorced or, or really, you know, going through a hard time in their marriages. And there was a quote that I heard from a pastor in Jupiter. And he said, the good, here's the good news. You are a lot worse off than you think you are. And God's grace is infinitely greater than you can ever ask for or receive or need. So, uh, you know, Hey, I'm not that bad. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and there's a potential for worse. So get on the stick and, uh, and, and step up. So <laughs> that's wonderful, man. You know, I, I don't mean to make it a theological conversation, but it's, it's way worse than you think your situation is way worse than you think. And our, and our Lord is so much more beautiful than you can know. And so, um, I, I just want to echo that, man. I, I love those, those type mentalities. Um, but likewise, you know, again, another tactical aspect, whenever I come across a guy that has you know, voluntary, voluntarily disclosed, that was not my walk, but I know that he can talk to Cliff about that. Doesn't necessarily mean he has to go to Cliff's group, but if he's looking, you know, for some brotherhood there, he could talk to Cliff about that situation. Likewise, Cliff knows that if it's a traumatic incident and somebody is struggling with their marriage is crumbling around them that he can give me a holler and I can talk to that guy. Again, doesn't mean that guy has to come to my group, but I can certainly talk with him and walk, walk through that piece of recovery with them. So that's why we do these groups. You start learning other people's stories. You start recognizing that you don't have to be the only Moses. You don't have to hold your arms up longer than Joe Medlock. Okay. So I just want to encourage everybody. Um, Joe, I know you can hold your arms up forever. <laughs> I'm just saying so. Christina, what do we have next? Um, I wanted to thank Bill. He gave some great inspiration. He said, teaching others has a generational aspect to it. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Second Timothy 2.2. Uh, so I just, I love that. I love that, um, that people are using the chat to encourage one another. And I also want to just take some time because we're, we're coming on at the last five minutes. This is something very special we have here. And Lamar, you were just talking about that. Um, the, you know, it's the beauty of connection. And we do have each other to use. We have each other's stories. We have each other's leadership skills. We don't have to bury the weight of leadership alone. And if you are, let me encourage that you take a look inward. If you're feeling the weight of, of, of leadership, that maybe God is pressing on you to find more leaders to help you. Um, so, uh, you know, what does that look like? What does that look like to reach the members in your group? Reach out to that man 
who's gone through two or three times already and just say, okay, it's time. You're ready. Um, let's, let's do this together or reach out to the woman um, that, that keeps showing up, that is expressing interest and say, you're ready for some more. I, I got a special project for you. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to be able to tap into what we have here. And we have some of our most amazing leaders here. And I want to be able to open up the chat. To, if you have a group right now and you, um, or, or your group is full and you know someone that needs someone or a cliff, we were talking about this before the call. Um, in fact, you can get us started cliff. His schedule's full and he needs help. He needs people to lead. So I want to just keep that chat open. People can raise their hands if you have um, um, you know, something you'd like to share with the group. I have an opening or I'm starting up a group. Grab, out, grab your pen and paper so you can take notes if you have someone or so you can refer someone to someone or if, you know, whatever you have to offer here, um, use that chat, open it up, share it, or raise your hand and we can leave a few minutes here before we close out in prayer for people to do some shout outs. Um, you know, I, I need help, I need to find a group, or I have a group I'm opening if you, if you have people. Um, so I would love to use that place for this and make that a habit at each one of these leadership meetings the last few minutes to be able to do that so people can get connected and plugged in together. Does that sound good? So. Sounds great, honey. I'm going to go, we're going to get one more question from Verkat. I'm going to make a few closing announcements. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the coming features, if you will. Um, and then uh, we can Leave it open. Allow, allow folks to get those chats in. Uh, thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate you throwing that in there. Cliff, I know you got a couple coming up as well. Uh, but Verkat, what is your question, sir? Yeah, so, um, so I appreciate being part of this and, you know, I think the third time I've been here. So I just wanted to shout out. And I know that I'm not necessarily part of your ministry, but uh, number one, I do feel the burden of being a leader. Um, I, and I think some of the things I've taken down have been very beneficial. Number two is I have my own story, which is very, very different. And I'll, I'll just share it. It's, it's just one minute. And that is, um, so, you know, I've been a Christian since 1991. I got involved with the church and, you know, they had a, one of those men's ministries and a house ministry where you live with men. Um, the leader in that house uh, for nine years fondled me. Um, so, I've, you know, so I've left out of it. I've definitely, um, you know, the scars from it have, have sort of built me up for leadership in some ways. Um, uh, having said that today, I'm still working through a lot of anger issues from that. Um, and, uh, you know, the one thing that I'm also trying to bridge is, um, I come from a different culture and uh, as I shared in my last one, uh, I have been insensitive because of that experience too, with those, I'm now older in my church, you know? And, um, and I have found myself to be insensitive to people that are going through promiscuity issues or um, porn pornography issues. That's one, one side I, I wanted, you know, so I'm, I come to this meeting to try and be more relatable. And also you can pray in your private prayer time for me. Uh, the second piece with regards to it is um, today, one thing that's coming up very much, you know, it's very different from even 15 years ago. Uh, the sexual deviation is much more. 
And handling that in private or semi-private settings, I mean, you know, you can, you know, it can be something like, you know, he has a person has a wife, but yet into very deviant forms of sexuality, you know, and I don't know that. So that shocks me, number one. I mean, you know, it can be even bestiality, something like that. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, you just pray and you ask God to help deliver and everything like that. And even you can't necessarily tap on, you know, but it's very, and then, you know, today you have that whole goggle meta thing, you know, it's introduced, you know, so things are, are changing so fast in the landscape. And, you know, all I do is, you know, it's, um, I have to change and also mature, right? Like uh, Brother Cliff was saying, you know, I got to let go of the regrets and remorse and the angers of the past and, you know, my own thing. I mean, that person after, I was very glad that after 10 years of going through that, the person confessed to me, he was into some of all that deviant stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know what, I gave a lot. Yep. General advice, I'm not asking for, you know, however you wish to answer Lamar or sure. others. Well, thank, thank, thank you for sharing for Kyle. We appreciate it. Um, and, and this is the place to come for support because somebody out there right now is going to be able to, to kind of with 95% similarity, they're going to be able to commiserate with you somehow. Uh -huh. And I think it's so important that we're able to put those folks together in this. Um, as we talk about how we're going to lead men through it and how we're going to lead women through it and how we're going to lead couples through it, you know, that natural, I guess, surrender to what Christ is doing in our life, that, that's what makes it more attractive to people because it's no longer your way. It's no longer holding on to the old remorse, the old anger. Um, and, and look, I am not discounting the pain. You'll never hear me say that. I, I am saying that we have to find a way to give that over to Christ. Uh, and that's what makes it, a you know, us a little bit more accessible for other people. It makes people say, okay, th this person has been there. They've done some of these things and Christ brought them through the other side. I want some of that. Um, and then be able to walk through that with them. So uh, Cliff, I I'll, I'll give you the last word here. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I, I put my hand down earlier and let, let him speak. Um, there's a lot of different, Doug White says there's a lot of different flavors in this uh, arena of sexual addiction, uh, from porn addiction to speciality uh, to, to all sorts of stuff. Pedophilia, guys have been through, you know, you're going to come across guys that are all homosexuality. Um, they've been, uh, you know, there's all sorts of flavors. Uh, and one of the things as a leader, you got to put on your poker face when guys are sharing their stories and, and let everybody else in the group know if they're sharing with the group that, hey, listen, we're all on our different, we're all coming from different uh, uh, origins on our own separate journeys towards Christ likeness. So, um, you know, be accepting for anything you come across. And, uh, and that, that's the thing, it's God who is doing the work, not us. So if we're, if we're submitting to God's, you know, one of the things I say constantly is Holy Spirit speak. Um, and I say it under my breath this way. It's not me. Uh, it kind of makes me acknowledge that God wants to do something here. And, uh, and I got to stay out of the way. 
So, um, that's it. Amen. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Cliff, and thank you too, Verkai. I'll leave us as leaders before we go into announcements with one one final thought. If you ever find yourself playing the comparison game with people, okay, and it's a natural progression, it, it's it's how we're built. We always want to say either, well. I would have never done that, in which case you should just think to yourself, I just haven't done that yet. Or if you think to yourself, well, that person can't help me because they're, they're not as bad as I am. Okay. Either way, you are missing wholesale the identity that Christ has given you. Either way, you're either looking down your nose at somebody else because of what they did, which is not what Christ would have you do, or you are not fully embracing your identity in Christ as someone who desperately needed a savior and he has swooped in and rescued you. Okay. So either way you slice it, the comparison game never works out. Um, so I'll encourage you in that regard. Okay. Finally, just a few things upcoming. We are in the process of trying to put together a leadership community forum. Um, it'll be just for folks that have been leaders. Uh, it'll be behind the, the wall. So you'll have to be a, a, a soul refiner member. So that's what I mean behind the wall. Uh, it'll, it'll ride kind of like a little sidecar piece, almost like our chat functionality on the site. You'll be able to see where you can, you know, write in the forum. There'll be different subjects, different topics. You'll be able to search things. Uh, we're going to seed that with a little bit of, of stuff that, you know, some of the questions we've come across in this group and in other leadership uh, groups. Um, so there'll be a little bit of, of seed there so people can take off with what they want to talk about. There'll be some moderation. There'll be some group rules, that kind of thing. But I think it's a great place for leaders to connect. Um, as I look at this chat, I start to recognize that we need community somehow outside of just this one, one hour a month. And so we are aiming to, to get that started. A couple other things that are in the works. Um, you know, John, Ken's father, thank you so much uh, for the ideology about as you build leaders, one of the building blocks of being a leader is being kind of a, a peer sponsor, a peer mentor, thing like that, the one-to-one. -one. Okay, as we imbue guys with, with leadership traits and we, and we give them that sense of, of, of leadership, how do we do that one-to-one -one first? And so that, that's in the work too, John. Thank you. Joe, thank you so much for all your ideas about a qualification process, about how we make sure that somebody's just not going out there willy-nilly, you know, using our platform as a way for them to just to stand up on their soapbox and talk about what they would like to. Um, and so... All these things are, some of them in the fledgling stage, some of them are in the advanced stage and about to get launched within the next month, hopefully by the next meeting. Um, but this is all stuff, and these are your ideas. This is not just me and Christina sitting in the back room thinking, okay, you know, what, what bright idea do we have now? Uh, she's that bright. I'm adult. Okay, I got no chance of coming up with anything new on my own. So I'm a pattern recognizer. I am not a creative soul, one iota. So... Uh, yuck it up, Brian. You know what I'm talking about. So, Yeah, I want to just add a few other announcements. Um, we have, um, Lamar and I both have individual uh, just check-in sessions that we open up, like an open house um, that we do on Saturday mornings. Tiffany has helped me get this started, and the two of us invite the women into one, and Lamar has a check-in place for men. If you need a place as a leader to check in, if you don't have your own community of support, please reach out to Lamar, please reach out to Tiffany and I, because you need that too. Uh, you can't keep feeding without being fed. We, we need to be able to pray over you. And it's just an hour check-in where we come and we pray for one another. 
we just say, how are we doing? It's, it's an, a place of accountability and it's really beautiful. So please privately reach out to either one of us if you need that. It's 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time on Saturday mornings. Uh, that might be something that God places on your heart to create as well uh, for your group, just having a place for guys to check in or pull someone up in your group. So you're not doing that as well. Raise up another leader and ask them to start something like that. It's not curriculum. It's not anything that you have to have structured or prepare for. It's just a place for people to come and give prayer and to receive prayer. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. We also have our next sanctuary and mission brief. It's going to be super awesome. So make sure you tell your people about that. Um, we're going to what we're doing um, next Friday, uh, 10 o'clock for the women is the sanctuary. One o'clock is for the men. We're going to have in the sanctuary, we're going to invite a panel of men to come in and help answer questions for the women. And we're gonna do vice versa for the men. At the mission brief, we're going to have a panel of women come in and ask those tough questions that you might not be able to get answers from from your spouse. So it's gonna be fantastic. You don't wanna miss it. Give that, feed that forward. So it's another place for community for the people that you're leading. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Christina. Thank you for that, that tailing announcement. I, I think we're gonna try and call it something like he said, she said, but in a good way. You know, we're not going to use it, you know, kind of in the old negative connotation. We're going to take that saying back. And so I like uh, that. very excited about that um, team. Thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you for the, the participation. Thank you for uh, the chat. I, I just love the way it gets it gets cranked up and it blows up and people make connections. Uh, Verkat, special shout out for your vulnerability. I know this has been a long, long journey for you. Um, I, I know you're not a leader yet. And so I just want to give you some of that positive peer pressure. Uh, if you need somebody, you know, from this room uh, to holler back at you, to help nudge you along in that direction, man, just say the word. Uh, I know many guys are, are willing to provide that word of inspiration and encouragement. So, uh, and, and a special thanks today to Cliff. Thank you so much for giving up your Friday uh, lunchtime. Uh, awesome, man. It's so nice to learn at the knee of a, of a, of a Jedi master. And so, <laughs> uh, appreciate you, brother. So, uh, thank you to my beautiful. We, we sincerely appreciate. That. I love well, you. Glenn, do you mind if we give you the honors of closing us out in prayer? And before we do that, if you need, have any questions or any concerns, um, you can reach me at christina.d um, at, at soulrefiner.com. Um, so that's in the text there or the chat there. Just add a, a dot though, christina.d at soulrefiner. Lamar's is the same, lamar.d at soulrefiner.com. So feel free to reach out and we'll get people connected. So Cliff, I'd love for you to close us out. Father God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to, to be in your presence with these, these leaders. And uh, I just, I'm just so grateful, Lord. Pray that you, you bless and guide each one of us as we move forward uh, throughout this next week and, and onwards on revelations and insights on how to help the guys in our groups uh, become leaders uh, and for us to, to get out of your way as, as uh, we lead them so that you can be the, uh, the center and the force uh, behind their uh, recovery behind their fervency to help other men. So I just thank you, brother. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Thank you to all our leaders. Thank you. Thank you, Cliff. We love you. Thank you. All our beautiful leaders, men, women, couples love having you here. So thanks for coming. And we look forward to seeing you next month. First Friday of the month. Bye-bye.